You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome licensed mental health counselor Kate McReynolds to the show. Kate is a therapist who specializes in perinatal mental health, maternal mental health, and working with moms. And she has founded her Instagram platform, the.mom.therapist. I've asked her on the show today to take part in a really important discussion that I feel like so many of you ask about. And that is how to know if you are done having babies, how to decide whether to grow your family or not. This could be a really, really difficult conversation and decision to make for moms and for partners. And today in this episode, Kate and I walk through some criteria or a bit of a framework for some reflections and questions you can ask yourself to help in making this big, important decision. Because the decision itself is going to be so personal to you, the person, your family, your partnership, your dynamics. But there are some questions we can ask ourselves or some criteria and things that we can look to to help provide some guidance when making such big life decisions. Kate and I share our own experiences and stories about how we determined whether we were done or not and how we grew to accept or find some peace with the uncertainty that can come with making these decisions. If this is a decision that you have wrestled with and you felt really unsure and it's been preoccupying your mind or you feel like you haven't found peace around it, this conversation is going to be so helpful. I encourage you to write down some of the reflections and prompts that we come up with throughout the episode so that you can really take the time afterwards and think back about them to help you reflect and evaluate and make your decision. Let's dive in and hear my conversation with Kate. When was the last time you truly felt like yourself? If you're not sure about the answer, it's time to think about your mental health. As moms, we often put ourselves on the back burner. From the moment our babies are born, our days and nights are full of responsibility, leaving it hard to sleep well, eat properly, exercise, or take care of ourselves. The more we neglect our own needs, the worse our mental health can become, leading to depression, anxiety, or other mental health struggles. But your mental health matters. The Happiest Mother Wellness Center can help. We have a growing team of mom therapists across Canada ready to offer teletherapy services. With teletherapy, you can save time and hassle by accessing virtual appointments from anywhere on your desktop, laptop, tablet, or phone. We know you're busy, so we make it as simple as possible to connect with a therapist. It's time to put yourself back on the priority list. Visit happyasamother.co slash book to schedule your free consult today. That's happyasamother.co slash book. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we're dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. We all had expectations going into motherhood, but reality often has a different plan. Let's work together in shattering unrealistic expectations, letting go of shame and guilt, and accepting where we are on our motherhood journey. We'll pack a toolbox for motherhood with expert advice, practical tips, relatable stories, real moments, and honest conversations. My goal is to give you the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to parent more freely. 
However, this podcast should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. It's time to do motherhood differently, toss out the idea of perfect, and enjoy the journey. Let's dive in. Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. I went hunting for somebody to have a conversation with about this topic of how do we decide to be done? How do we know how to make these big life choices? And I stumbled across you on Instagram as we've been back and forth a bit in the past. I'm so happy to have you here. So thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I've obviously been following you for quite a while and I love everything that you do. Um, So it's very exciting for me to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm always so curious because I know that your work is niched down in working with what we call PMADs, like perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, or working Mm -hmm. with moms in that, you know, new adjustment to motherhood and parents in that new stage. How did you come to specialize in this work? Did you start out as a generalist or did you know you wanted to go right into this work right away? I did not know right away. It took becoming a mom myself to realize that. So I had been a therapist for several years. I had started a private practice and was more general mental health. And then I had my first baby and usually like I would stay home with her during the day and I would see my clients at night. So I kind of had a taste of stay at home mom life and employed mom life. And so during the day, I did all the things with her, like story time at the library, the baby and me yoga classes, the hospital support groups. And a lot of those things that I did had a lot of limitations. Like you can't come to the support group when your baby is past 12 months. You can't Mm -hmm. come to yoga once your baby starts crawling. Mm -hmm. And she passed all of these, you know, milestones or, you know, didn't fit the criteria anymore. And I was like, well, what do I do now? I, Mm. I really feel like I depended on a lot of these things I was doing for my physical health, my emotional health. And I had a hard time finding something that didn't have a lot of rules. So I decided to start this free virtual motherhood support group. And it wasn't really a therapeutic processing group. It was more just like a peer social support group that, Mm -hmm. you know, had a therapist there to kind of guide the conversation, but really just to connect with other moms. It didn't matter how old your kids were. There were no restrictions. And that really took off. And then I started just kind of diving deeper into that area. And I learned about the perinatal mental health certification and all those trainings. And my own therapist also specialized in that. And she kind of helped me understand that whole process. And I didn't even know that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I learned about it, I said, oh, yeah, that is what I want to be doing. So I did all the trainings, all of that stuff. And um, here I am. Yeah. Something that I really noticed that you're speaking to when all those like mommy and me baby groups at least the ones that I attended or the ones that I could find were so centered on babies. So like babies' developmental stages Mm -hmm. and, you know, starting foods and sleep and all of those things, which I mean, obviously we're going through a steep learning curve during that time. And there is a lot for us to figure out and learn. Like we want support in those areas for sure, but nothing that I found was centered on mom. And I think that that's also such a core piece of the puzzle here or what fuels our passion so much as a platform because like what is mom centered in this process right baby comes out and mom is just sort of overlooked in a lot of ways so having a resource like yours or a group like yours that is mom centered is 
like it stands out and it's unique in all of the baby focused groups that are out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that happens in a lot of other realms, like more so than we've realized, like with the follow up appointments, for example, we have like 12 to 20 appointments for this baby after they're born and mom gets what, like one, mm-hmm. maybe two. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's really hard to find that. Yeah. Yeah. And as a mom of two and as a mom of three boys, I don't know if you're done yet. I don't know if you've made this decision. I made my decision. I knew pregnant with three and I found out it was a boy. I knew I was done. Yeah. But not all people know. Like I would say that what sparked the sort of concept for this episode is I get a lot of DMs and messages and even like the weekend polls that we do about how do you know if you're done or do you want another one and your partner doesn't or did you have a feeling or did you know or how does one make that kind of a decision? Mm-hmm. And While I would say that that decision is very personal to everybody who's listening, who's going to be unique in their own financial situation and their own like socioeconomic privilege and like all all the things, I would say as therapists, there is a bit of a criteria through which we can apply to decision making for big emotionally charged things that we can talk through that might help give a framework, I would say. Do you think so? I absolutely think so. I know that when you and I were kind of going back and forth about recording today, this concept of checking in with your emotions, checking in with your logic, figuring out a way to use both of those things, right, to make a decision that you feel comfortable with. Mm. And I think that that part is really difficult for people because a lot of people feel very fueled by the emotional reasoning. And then a lot of people feel very fueled by the logical reasoning and depending on how our brain works, it can be really difficult to mesh those two things together Mm -hmm. to make a decision that just really makes sense emotionally and logically, you know? Yeah, because what I find with clients is that some decisions we might make with all like our emotion, our emotion takes the lead and others we might be very logical about or we might think we're very logical about in other areas of life. But something about motherhood and babies feels like it should be instinctual it like we're told that these things are sort of maternal and instinctual and there should be a knowing which to me feels like a feeling right like we should feel and know and when we step out of the situation as therapists you and I and think about how we make decisions I mean we don't want to make a decision that is just solely logical all the time like that feels really dry Mm -hmm. and boring and like lacks spontaneity and you know all of those big feelings that we enjoy and want. But then we also don't want to make something wholly with our emotions because Mm -hmm. we haven't applied any critical thinking to the outcome of that decision. And so here I can give an example of my own experience because we had two boys and we weren't really sure if we were going to be done. It's like, do we try again for a third? Like, do I want a girl? Are we guaranteed to get a girl? Mm-hmm. That was like, mm-hmm. and everyone was asking me, like, I wasn't even done giving birth to my third boy. And they're like, so are you going to try for a girl? You're going to go for a fourth? Right? Like, what is that? What is that? Like, so there's this whole, there was this whole thing of like reconciling, I want to say gender disappointment. And if we even sort of pause and hang out here for a second, I want to say that there are some driving, motivating factors Mm -hmm. that push us to want to have more kids. Can you maybe highlight some that come to mind for you? And I can do the same of like, 
why people feel like they might want another if they've already have one or have two. Yeah. Gender disappointment or like the potential of having a girl, that was a big one for me in keeping that door open personally. And I know that that right. happens for a lot of others as well. Right. I think one answer to that might be like before you became a parent, when you imagined having your own children, what did you see? Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Did you see like a dinner table surrounded by lots of kids? Did you see one kid? Did you see lots of boys? Did you see lots of girls? Like, what did you envision for yourself? What was that ideal family situation? And I think it's important to point out that that is an ideal, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's not necessarily a guarantee that might not even necessarily be what's best for you. Mm. And so when we get into it and we're like, oh, you know, I thought I wanted five kids, but here I am with two or three. And I don't think I can do this anymore. We might start to question ourselves like, well, that's not what I told myself I wanted or that I was going to have. And it can feel really confusing, you know? Yeah. For sure. And I think about the roadmap that I had. So I had a like brother and me, so a boy and a girl, sort of that nuclear family of four until my parents separated mm-hmm. and it was a gong show. But so this idea of having like one of either child was something that was just sort of like, of course, like that's what people do. Like that's what my family was. And then my husband comes from a family of three, mixture of boys and girls. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, it was really like, oh, we'll have a blend of right. different genders in the home or whatever, different sexes in the home. And so for me, a lot of the decisions were around trying for a girl. And honestly, we were still wrestling with the decision when we spontaneously got pregnant. <laughs> so mm-hmm. our decision was made for us. And we have our third boy and he's amazing. And, you know, there was still grief for me about deciding, like knowing that I was done, like I I was at capacity. We were done. We done like financially all the things. Mm -hmm. But then to know that that was permanently a decision that we were making closed a door and there was grief there about like, oh, like I'll never have that daughter Mm -hmm. to you know, interact with in a different way than I would interact with my sons. I would say like when they get married or when they have their own children, I feel like it's just a different, unique relationship. Yeah. But finding some acceptance and being okay with that. So I think that that is a big driving motivator. Like you said, that uh, roadmap or what's been modeled for us. What do you think about like trauma or if we've had a hard time the first time around, sometimes I find clients want to like a, almost like a redo in a way or like, It was so bad or they missed out on something that it would be nice to try it again and Mm -hmm. and have it go differently. I mean, I think that that emotional and that whole thought process is totally valid. Right. Right. Now, and let me, I can speak on that personally. I have a girl and a boy and I'm not going to lie. Like that societal suggestion of like, because sometimes I get the opposite like, oh, you have one of each, so you're done, right? And I'm like, I don't know. Right, that's so interesting. Right, but so I'm not going to lie. There is a part of me that feels like, okay, I mean, I do have a boy and a girl. Oh, Maybe I am. Done, I should right? be done. But should I be content? Should I be? Exactly. Okay, okay. But with when she was born, that was a really distressing and unpleasant birth experience for me. Mm-hmm. It was just everything I did not want to happen. Yeah. Right? And so I obviously you know, spent time working through that in my own therapy. I was afraid to have another baby, right? I was like, what if that happens again, right? I don't know if I want to risk that. But in doing my own mental health work, I got to a place of feeling 
physically and emotionally ready to have another baby, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And because of that traumatic experience with her, I wanted that birth experience to be so wildly different, Yeah, right? Like if it turned out the same way the first one did, I know that I would have gotten through it and it would have been okay. I probably would have been really upset still, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that this idea of having a redo is a really common experience that Yeah. Sometimes we might feel ashamed for saying that out loud as if the first one wasn't enough or wasn't good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? But it circles back to that roadmap. Like, what did I want to experience for myself? What did I really hope that I would get? Yeah. And like, can I go through this next labor and delivery and feel empowered and heard even if it doesn't go perfectly? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. It's a big trigger point for entry into therapy, I find, when we're either trying to have another one or find out we're pregnant with another one and we've had a traumatic birth or really traumatic postpartum adjustment is a really sort of onboard ramp I find for people to come and see therapists like us because there's a lot to work through there and it's emotional. So Mm -hmm. when we come back to this idea of how do we typically make decisions and the concept being like wise mind in therapy where we try and actually balance our emotional with our logical When we're talking things like trauma and ingrained sort of romanticized ideals and hopes and dreams that have been wrapped up in this Mm -hmm. image, we're talking all emotion, really, right? And that emotion can feel very, like, motivating or it can feel very, like, it takes the reins a little bit. I don't know the word exactly I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like this idea of, I want to do or I want to repeat the things that make me feel good and I want to avoid or not do the things that make me feel bad, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like when we think about our past experiences or our current experiences or our hopes for the future, we identify that makes me feel good, that makes me feel bad. And we can get like flooded with those emotions to the point where it creates this gut feeling And we want to use that to make our decision regardless of any other factors, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm like thinking about this sort of as a process as we go. And maybe if you're in the situation and you're listening, like there might be some little reflection notes for you to do along the way here where maybe one of them is what was that romanticized idea you had in your mind? Mm -hmm. And then maybe the next is like, what are some of the emotions that come up when you have conversations with your partner about this decision? Or when you think about this decision, is it dread? Is it excitement? All of those things, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because when I was in this position of indecision with in like between my second and my third, it was like, okay, I really want, like I really envisioned my family being this way, right? Like I really envisioned a mixture of boys and girls and different dynamics and all of these things. But then when I looked at my postpartum adjustments and when I looked at the fact that adding a third meant a new vehicle and, you know, mm-hmm. potentially a new house if we wanted to have like a not them not bunking up and things, Like it meant so many really practical changes from a family of four to a family of five. Do I want to re-enter into this time of sleep deprivation and things like that? And those are all logical things to be considered, I would say. They're not the things that like make the final decision, but they're things to be factored into the decision making. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that 
we can ask ourselves, what did we like about this? What did we dislike about this? I mean, what feels realistic and doable? What seems unrealistic? Are the things that I liked worth the things that I disliked? Mm. Right? So it's that combination of how do I feel about this? And where's the logic? So for example, the sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. I always thought I wanted three kids. Okay. Right? Like I grew up in a family with three kids. I had like a loving, healthy childhood experience with three kids. That feels normal and familiar to me. That's what I envisioned for myself. Right? Okay. So my emotional side of things is telling me like, yeah, that's what you envision. And when you think about having another cute little baby in your arms, you get all happy and excited. Right. And then my logical mind is like, you hate the newborn stage. (laughs) You are irritable when you don't sleep. You have to take months off work. Like there's a lot of impact that happens. Right. And while I really liked this idea of having a baby. And with my second, I had a really like healing, like empowering birth experience. And I'm like, I would do that again Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat, Mm -hmm. right? I loved being pregnant with that second baby. I loved giving birth to that second baby. I want to do that again. But then I think about, okay, well, what's the consequence of doing that again? And not consequence like in a bad way, but like what's the impact is a better word, right? Yeah, what is the impact? Yeah. Totally. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't want to be sleep deprived. I don't want to be wildly outnumbered. Like I feel like I'm drowning in two kids right now. I don't think that I'd be able to function at the way that I want to function if I had three kids, right? right? And so loving that pregnancy and loving giving birth for me personally is not a strong enough reason to do all of those other things. Totally. And I think that there's something about looking beyond the stage that you want. Like, you know, I feel like I could go back to the cuddly newborn stage, maybe because I'm so far removed now that I'm like, oh, (laughs) I could do it. And then the reality would hit and whatever. Yeah. But it's like, the toddlers and beyond stage that I'm count me out. Like I'm I'm at my, you know, so when we think about adding another baby to the family or trying again to expand the family, like to do a thought exercise to really consciously think about that child being integrated, like at each developmental stage, like, you know, and not just this really emotionally charged season of them entering the world and having this new baby, but thinking the whole sort of lifespan and just exploring how that feels, what that looks like as a family. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're removed from the years of having children and you've got like a six-year-old and you're going back or 70, whatever, is that something that you want to enter back into if they're in college? There's a stagger. Like there's all these really logistical things Mm -hmm. to be factored in. Again, not that they are going to be the driving decision maker here. We're not saying that these are like the be all and end all, Mm -hmm. but there's something about entertaining these pieces that gives us more of a realistic or grounded perspective on the decision that we're making versus just in this like sort of romanticized or rose-budded ideals or or situation. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's a really great point. I personally have a hard time identifying any motherhood experience from my own life that is 100% pleasant or 100% unpleasant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I could tell you 50 things I love about the newborn stage and 50 things I loathe about the newborn stage. Yeah. With toddlers, like with adolescents, right? There's always going to be 
something that we like and something that we dislike, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it is not all or nothing. And I think that that can be applied to this whole decision-making process. Like you don't have to feel a hundred percent happy with your decision, mm-hmm. right? You're allowed to be disappointed. Like when you mentioned the grief of not having your girl, yeah. like you can grieve that missed opportunity and feel really happy and grateful with what you have at the same time and feel comfortable and content. Like it can be both. Totally. There was a real relief in knowing that we were done for the sheer sake of like, I could get all this stuff out of my house. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could (laughs) get rid of all the baby items that were being held on to all the clothes. I have this one, like they're great family friends. They're essentially like family of ours and they've got a boy and he's like a year or two behind my youngest. And so they get everything, <laughs> like everything when, yeah. when we're done gets out of the house now. So there was like relief. There was knowing that I wouldn't have to go through it again. There was mm-hmm. all of these like positive feelings. So in love with each of my boys' unique little personalities. Yeah. But then there was a real grief of, you know, that bond or that, also being kind of like feminist at heart and like really wanting to like raise strong women. Now I'm raising mm-hmm. strong feminist men and that's also yeah. important. But yeah, there was just some pieces there that were hard. When you bring up the not, nothing is like either 100% or black and white. I think that also comes to our sureness or our confidence in our decision. Mm. Like I was 100% confident because then we had our third and I was like, that's the cap, Mm -hmm. like, you know, done. But some people waver. A good friend of mine, she has two boys and they debated on a third and they wavered back and forth. And so she like, you know, they practice like birth control methods, nothing permanent until they were ready to make a more permanent decision. And it took a lot of time. And even still, there was like a nagging, like it wasn't 100% even still when they made that more permanent decision. And there's something to be said for that as well. Like it's not 100% certainty, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I can identify with that. I don't think that I'm 100% certain that I'm done. I say that I'm done right now. Like right now, I don't want to have another baby. But who's to say in like five years that that changes, you know? Right. Right. Like I, like I mentioned before, I can't imagine having a third right now. And I think that my husband and I are actually pretty, very good examples of like the emotional reasoning and the logical reasoning He's a very logical one. I'm the very emotional one. Like I see the babies and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. Like I remember telling him after I had my second, it was like 10 hours after I gave birth and he's having like a procedure done. So we're on the other side of the window watching the baby in the room. And I look at my husband and I was like, let's do that again. (laughs) And he was like, are you insane? What? So like, I'm really running off of this emotional fuel by like focusing on the things that I really enjoy. And then my husband is running off of this logical fuel. Like traveling is easier with two kids. Our home is more equipped for two kids, right? Like we both agree we don't want to be outnumbered, like childcare costs, like all of these things, right? And I'm like, but the baby's so cute. (laughs) But I agree with him also with that logical thing. But then there's that emotional part of me that makes me feel like I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. You know, like I'm content with being unsure right now. I'm content with saying no right now, but I've also given myself permission and my husband has given us permission too to like, let that stay open. Right. Like he says he's done, but I know that if in like a year or two from now, if I sit down and talk with him, like, Hey, I'm really thinking about having another baby that 
we could have that conversation, mm-hmm. you know? And it speaks to something that I tell my clients all the time. I feel like where we don't make life altering decisions in a peak high or a low low. Yeah. Right. So like, well, I had a very similar experience with my second. He literally, I don't even think my husband had cut the umbilical cord yet. And I was like, I could do that yes, again. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. Everybody in the room was like, no. I was like, um, I beg your pardon. It's just the work starts now. <laughs> you know, like it's just get ready. And sure enough, we ended up doing it again, but just yeah. life and dynamics influence that. But yeah. And so like in this high, high, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, and it feels empowering mm-hmm. and it feels lovely with an epidural, very different <laughs> than laboring naturally, like, you know, without like medication and things unmedicated. But I think that also when we are in our low lows, we tend to want to make big life mm-hmm. decisions, maybe not around having children, maybe, but I find that sometimes in like the low lows of postpartum, we want to make big relationship and marital decisions. Mm. We want to make like, I don't know, big changes. And it's it's just like not usually a good time because usually I want to say in the high highs or the low lows, I want to say like our emotional brain has taken over Absolutely. and it's hard to bring logic online, right? Right. You literally don't have access to that part of your brain in those moments. Well, you don't have like good access to that part of your brain in those moments, right? Yeah. Gone kind of dark, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can make things seem really cloudy, mm. you know? And like, because we're basing off of that emotion, like I mentioned before, we might get flooded with those emotions and want to make changes based on that, regardless of anything else that might be an important factor. Yeah. And some of those things might be really important factors that need to be considered. Right. So like what you and your partner did, buying yourself some time. Mm -hmm. So like if it's until like, you know, we're out of the postpartum period and all the kids are one or two or whatever, or if it's until all the kids are in school and then if we really want to do it, then like maybe the conversation isn't, we need to make a permanent decision right now. Maybe the conversation is no more children for right now. And I'm talking like to those also in the audience who are wrestling with this, right? It's like, maybe the conversation isn't, you know, I'm done forever. Maybe it's I'm done until my littlest is two or three or four. And then we will have a real intentional Mm -hmm. conversation about it again at that point. And like transitions have settled and things are less, you know, and and then we can really decide, do we want to reenter into that? Do we not? Are we supported? Are we prepared? Are we all the things? Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to remember now because I'm like in the throes of mom brain these days, but I want to say that one of our things that we looked at related to that was when our first started daycare Mm -hmm. because she stayed home with me for the first 18 months. And then around that time, we were starting her in daycare three days a week so that I could start seeing my clients during the day as opposed to during the night when her dad was home. And that just felt like a natural transition for us, right? Mm -hmm. Where we felt that we had the emotional and physical capacity to add another one, right? right? Like I could stay home, I could be with the baby, and I wouldn't also have my barely two-year-old to take care of, Right. right? And again, not that you shouldn't do that. But for me personally, I didn't really want to do that. I didn't know that that would be a really accessible thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's such an interesting point you're bringing up because I find with myself or even with a lot of clients that work with when we gain some capacity, Mm -hmm. should we fill it? Should we fill it with another baby? 
do we want another baby? For me, okay, I went through this. And when my littlest, who is now four, he started JK in September. And I was like, okay, we're all school age. And it was excitement. And it was grief. Mm -hmm. And it was, there's no babies at home. And it was like, oh my gosh, this stage of motherhood, like the door is closed on this. Mm -hmm. Right? And so it was like, okay, I could, I could go back. Like I could do this again now if I wanted to. Like I'm that far out. I feel like I could do it in a such a different way with all I know now. And it could be empowering. It could be so different. Right. But I also could put my capacity into my business. Mm -hmm. I could put my capacity into the things that I'm building. I could put that into me and my creativity and like other areas. And I think that, okay, I got to get on my soapbox for a moment where I think that we're conditioned as women to have children and to, for that, for motherhood to be our focus right. in a lot of ways. I don't know. You can agree or disagree. I'm curious no, your thoughts. Like I do agree. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just circling back to when we first sat down and started talking this morning, this whole idea of like, how do I know when I'm done? How do I know if it's complete? Like my family, right? Well, like what does complete even mean to you? You know what I mean? Right. To you, to you, the person. To you. How do you as a mother feel complete? Like shifting that focus from how do I know when my family unit is complete and whole to how do I know when I feel complete and whole, right? right? And so maybe I have the capacity to have a third child next year, right? Right. Should I use that capacity to have another baby? I could. You could. Right? Or I could not. Right. Right? Would that make me feel whole and complete? Or just like you said, I have a lot of goals for my business. Yeah. And if I choose to use that capacity for another baby, then these other really big passions of mine, I won't be able to do when I want to do them. Right? Right. Like, right. not that I wouldn't be happy with a third child, that that wouldn't bring me a sense of wholeness. Right? But I really want these other things to be a part of my definition of wholeness. Absolutely. And I think that's why I like leaned in here a little bit is because I think that we have to just give permission and say that it's okay if we want something else outside of motherhood. If we yeah. feel like something is missing, this is a conversation that I feel like comes up a lot behind closed doors with clients. It's like this sort of emptiness or feeling like something is missing. Maybe we've lost ourselves in motherhood and we could have another child or do we not? Like this all factors into the decision. And you don't hear people coming up asking you like, what are your personal goals? Like, what do yeah. you want to do? What are your creative outlets? They hear, are you going to add a boy into the mix? Or are you going to add a girl into the mix? And it's like, we're so inundated with messages about our role and focus being motherhood that I think we get so lost in the weeds, we can't even like think outside of that role for ourselves mm -hmm. sometimes. And so I think of it now, like I would say in in a way I have a fourth baby and it's called my startup business <laughs> and it gets probably more time right now than my other children <laughs> in all honesty while they're at school. That's great. <laughs> right. And it is something that is creative and it makes me feel strong mm -hmm. and it makes me feel empowered and it's setting an example for my children and it will give my children a better life and like all of these things. And so again, if we like, flag one of these reflection points to think about those motivating things that are driving these decisions. And can we fill that capacity with something else mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. that gives you purpose, that gives you meaning, that makes you feel whole and fulfilled? And if that is a third baby, have at it. Absolutely. By all means, if that's yeah. what your heart desires, go for it. 
But if it's something else or if it can be met in a different way, think about that Mm -hmm. for yourself. And what could that look like? And what could that be, you know? Oh, and that's such a hard question for moms to answer, Mm -hmm. right? Like every single one of my moms that I work with, they're like, what is a hobby? I don't know what that is, right? We're so far removed. Yeah. This might be a whole nother conversation about mothers being the default parent and carrying the invisible load and genuinely feeling they are not capable of having things outside of motherhood, right? Right. It's this all-consuming role. And I think that that can be really scary when we ask ourselves, okay, well, how else would I like to fill my life? And what else would make me feel whole? And when we can't think of anything, it's like, okay, well, then I guess baby is the answer, right? And yeah, that's not to say that that's the wrong answer or that we shouldn't do that. But I see a lot of moms kind of taking that route because they really struggle to identify other things that they feel Mm. passionate about. Yeah, I can see that. And how long you've been in motherhood, how far removed you are from yourself, your own identity, right? Like when we sacrifice our needs and our desires for people day in and day out and we don't prioritize Mm -hmm. ourselves, we lose sight of who we are, frankly. And it is scary to lean into that and to explore it and to rediscover. And it almost seems familiar maybe to fill that space with another child. Like we know, Mm -hmm. like we've done this. There's like, I don't know, a familiarity there. Whereas to rediscover who we are or carve out our identity outside of motherhood, well, that's the whole undertaking sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's got some, some digging and reflection and some work to it, I would say. But also, it's kind of like the two ounces of pain up front versus two tons of regret. Because eventually, I think about my kids going to school. I think about them going to high school and then away to school. And I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know. And if our identity for all of these life cycles, all the way until they leave for college or whatever, is just so wrapped up in motherhood, at some point, we reach a threshold or a shift where... Mm -hmm. It isn't as all-consuming or it it doesn't need us as much as it does right now in these early years. And to feel needed feels really overwhelming sometimes and really Mm -hmm. good other times. And so even if we just are like wetting our feet a little bit and exploring with what that identity could be and what those new interests could be just to, I don't know, get the ball rolling a little bit. What do you think? I absolutely agree. It just makes me think about when we feel like we need to fill that space with another baby, right? And what is that gut feeling, right? If your gut is like, that is not really what I want to do, or that is really what I want to do, is that you're not doing anything wrong with whatever decision you make. Like if you absolutely do not want to do that again, and you absolutely have no idea what you want to do instead, that's okay. Like lean into that, honor that, hold space for that uncertainty, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I I, do also want to touch on how if having more children is your passion and that's what makes you feel whole and complete, that that is okay too. Like if yeah. you don't have a lot of things outside of motherhood and parenting, I think a lot of moms might get shamed for that sometimes. Like you need to mm-hmm, not lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to have like things that you do without your kids all the time. And yes, I think that's important. But for some people, that's not as important to them. Like they're okay with being in this space of wherever they are. And they might be okay with their kids going off to college and suddenly not knowing what they want to do and like using that time to figure it out. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me think of my maid of honor for my wedding. Like she's got three girls. Mm. (laughs) I've got three boys. Life is so Mm -hmm. strange in retrospect, looking back. And like, we couldn't be more different in our approaches to Mm -hmm. mothering. I want to say in our values, potentially even for our families, which is neither here nor there. They're just different and they're our own. But she very much is like, she's going to probably stay at home their whole duration of their life. She bakes Mm -hmm. all their food for Scott. Like she's like the best in this role that she just loves, you know, like she genuinely loves it. Mm -hmm. And like, that is great. And that is amazing for her if it's meeting her needs and if she's feeling fulfilled and satisfied. And if it's in line with the values that they have for the family, then that is great for them, you know? It really, I think, comes down to at the end of the day, like, what are your values and what are your desires and wants, Mm -hmm. right? Versus what we feel like we should do. Like, Mm -hmm. should I have a girl? Do we need this nuclear family? Am I one and done? Do I truly even want to have another baby altogether? Like, versus like all of these external pressures coming in to make the decision, like, internally really understanding what those values and gut things are, Mm -hmm. right? And whatever that is for you is okay, even if it's Mm -hmm. different or even if it's in line with what the norms are, whatever it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're almost at time and I have so much (laughs) we didn't even get to about like partners and not being in agreement and working towards acceptance. And there's so, so many pieces here. But this identity piece kind of sprung up, and I think it's a really important part of the conversation because Mm -hmm. so much of who we are and our identity is wrapped up in this role and in our children. And it makes sense that it is, but also, yeah, like what does that mean for us? So, okay, I'll do a little recap, and then maybe we will end on how we can find some acceptance in the decision that we do end up Mm. making because we've talked about how we want to make decisions with our wise mind. So we want to look at all the emotional reasoning and we want to respect it and honor it. We want to look at all the logical pieces as well and respect and honor those and try and combine them to make a decision. We want to consider, as you had mentioned, that sort of roadmap or that ideal that we're bringing into the situation, how we think a family should look and should be, and really maybe question why and if that looks good for us and whether we want that. And then really what are we hoping to gain and what are we hoping to fill and what are some of those sort of identity questions when it comes to bringing another baby into the family? And a reminder that those decisions don't have to be all or nothing Mm -hmm. and that they can sit with some uncertainty. Maybe we're like 60, 40. I'm 60 on the, we're just going to go on like a IUD or some birth control. We're going to wait it out a year Mm -hmm. or two and like reevaluate then, you know? And Let's say that they've done some of those things and we've reflected or maybe even just in listening to our conversation today, it's like, okay, I'm going to park this for a year or two. Right. How do we be okay with that? You know, I think giving ourselves permission to not have to be certain, Mm. like giving ourselves permission to not know, giving ourselves permission and like to be okay with this being something that does not have to be a hundred percent secure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like our partners getting on board with that, I know we didn't really get to, you know, talk about that like you wanted to, but getting to a place of like if we're disagreeing or we're not on the same page, accepting that in a way of 
doing what you can to understand each other's thoughts and feelings and opinions on it. Remembering that our goal is not necessarily to change their mind. Our goal is not necessarily to get to a certain decision, right? So just kind of allowing it to be in the gray area Mm -hmm. and kind of relabeling that and like redefining what it means to be in a gray area. Like, oh, you don't know what you want. That's not good. Like, it's okay. It's okay if we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay if we come back to this. It's okay if I flip-flop every single day. It's okay if I love certain things about it and hate certain things about it. Like, it's okay for there to be a duality in it. Yeah. And and as you mentioned, that seeking to understand their position and not to change it, I think is really important because mm-hmm. it's that reflection on like, well, why, why do I want another child so strongly? And why do they not? Or vice versa. Like, it's right. the other way around sometimes as well, um, where I'm like my body ain't doing it. It's not happening. And then, but they have Mm -hmm. this vision of this big family (laughs) or whatever. So I think it goes both ways, but seeking to understand, again, the factors that we talked about today, what plays into that desire to be so strong for us or our partner? And how do we lay that in and have some productive conversations about it too Mm -hmm. is a big piece of it. Oh my gosh. I feel like decisions and partners that's another episode i'm noting it it's got to happen because all the decisions that we can um (laughs) come up against so right oh my goodness this was so lovely i could chat with you all day long i feel like oh thanks where can people find you i know you're on instagram and you're sharing resources with moms where can they find more from you yeah um everything's on my website i've got you know information about therapy pmads there's some free downloads I am in the idea phase of starting up that motherhood Mm. support group again. So that may be on there pretty soon. It's funny because it feels like this is relevant to the conversation, but I stopped doing that group when I had my second baby because I didn't have the capacity for it. And now I feel like I do. So I'm like, all right, how do I want to fill that? Do I want to start the group up? But anyways, there's a lot of that stuff on there and all my contact information is there. So And we'll link all of that in the show notes so people can easily click through and find you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. It's been so great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had such a great time chatting with Kate. Before I knew it, our time was up and there was still so much more I wanted to get to. So I'd love for you to send a DM or an email on how you felt about this episode. And if you'd like a part two on how to have these conversations with your partner or any other pieces that we didn't cover that you might be struggling with. And I know I mentioned it in the episode, but this is often an on-ramp time where moms seek out therapy with one of our mom therapists to help process through this decision because sometimes it is so interwoven. It is so ingrained in our thinking or such a deep down desire that we haven't really reflected on that can make it hard to do this processing or reflecting on our own. If that's the case and you feel like there's many layers to this and you'd like to chat it through, one of our mom therapists can help. Head to happyasamother.co slash wellness to learn more. That's happyasamother.co slash wellness. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I am making a massive announcement that we're going to be teasing across social media for the next few days. You do not want to miss it. And I'll also be joined by Dr. Sarah Fraser talking all about the word of 2022, which was gaslighting. But we're going to look at it from the lens of the medical gaslighting of women 
and why women feel so minimized and dismissed in the healthcare system. You do not want to miss this episode and our major, major announcement. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast. To join the Happy as a Mother VIP list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to happyasamother.co slash newsletter. Until next episode, Mama, I want you to know... Keep showing up. You're doing an amazing job.